What's the deal with airline peanuts? Who gives a shit about airline peanuts flying through the sky? We're talking about stand-up comedy today. <laughs> Cue the music. Welcome, everyone, to the Entertainment Buffet Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Prosek. Kelly couldn't be with us this week because she's going to be uh, working on some more projects as she's preparing for the big move to the L.A. area. So I am uh, very honored to welcome an amazing guest, a improviser, a stand-up comedian, a sketch performer, Joel Boyd, everybody. Hey, what up, y'all? Listen to that truck in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer to all you folks out there that uh, you may be hearing some truck noises and uh, some cars honking and whatnot. That's because we're filming in downtown Chicago. I live in the hood. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we are at Joel Boyd's place. Um, you may recognize him on the internet from his a sketch group, Wisconsin Nuts. Uh, he's performing all over downtown Chicago, uh, both improv and stand-up at Second City with his improv group, 99 Problems. Yes. As well as uh, you're finishing up a show uh, as th- at the time we're recording this at Second City called Date Me. Yeah, hashtag Date Me. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, and of course, uh, we actually, when Entertainment Buffet did our first ever live show back in January, Joel was the headliner. Yeah, that was a good, good show. That was great. Yeah, you guys brought the heat. That, uh, it's, I, I just, amazing looking back whenever I watch the recordings how... You know, sometimes some of the performers, like, you know, there'd be, like, hilarious moments and then just be little lulls. But, man, you went 20 minutes solid of just, you had the crowd the <laughs> whole time, man. Thanks, bro. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah that, was a, that was a fun crowd. Joel, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit a little bit about yourself. As, as I mentioned, you kind of are jack-of-all-trades in the comedy world. But, uh... Sure. Yeah. I don't really know. I guess uh, people say that about me a lot. I, I think my favorite thing is stand-up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I do feel like I just, I get bored easily. That's one of my things. <laughs> so I just have to do other things. A lot of, I might start playing cello soon. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you you kind of get in different moods I where got, you're like, yeah. you know what? I feel like doing stand-up well, more. too easy. Like I've even been at Second City for a little bit and I'm not even like on any of the main stages or like, you know, kind of people's like a lot of dreams when they go to Second City is to end up going down that road. But I'm already like... Okay, I've been doing this for a while. I want to try other things. So I'm like doing a play this year. I'm doing like my first like dramatic wow. play on stage and like doing some thespianism. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I'm just trying to just spread my wings a little bit. And yeah, but I think stand up is the thing I will never like stop doing. I will always try to. It's always going to be doing it. Yeah. You know, it's always going to be a part of whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Whether it's you decide to get more into theater work or sketch work, you know, you're always going to be doing stand up on yeah. the side. I can understand that because uh, I remember the first time I started stand up, uh, it wasn't that long ago in uh, late 2012. And once I did it uh, one or two times, I'm like, you know what? I know I may never get a job in this, I may never get paid for it or, you know, headline, anything like that, but whether it's just open mics or whatever in my free time as a hobby, like, I'm always going to have to do stand-up mm-hmm. because... It's, it's a quality that I've... I think one of my uh, old coworkers called me on this once and I, I he said it in a way that I was like, yeah, that's it. He was like, uh, man, you do stand-up, huh? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, man, I can't imagine doing that. Like, like those kind of people who do that. I'm just like, yeah, man, I, I don't know. If you love it, you'll do it. And he was like, uh, yeah, man. It, to me, it feels like uh, people who do stand-up you have to do that shit, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> like you're addicted to it. Yeah, he, was just, he said it like that. And I was just like, what do you mean? He was like, I don't know. I just want all you guys to do that shit. Like, that's just a thing you have to do. <laughs> that's, that's a good and way to put it. he made it sound like I was sick. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. We got to get you some help. Yeah. You're always out there. Like you're just oh. twitching. Like, oh, yeah. got to get on stage. I you need know? a mic, man. Give me a mic. <laughs> stage. Um, that's true, though. But... Yeah, no, uh, so that's that's kind of uh, what we're going to be talking a lot about this episode. Uh, before we really get into it, I uh, just want to throw out all the plugs 
things we got to do, which is uh, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. When you leave that review, that really helps more people uh, who aren't listening to the podcast find it. So that I uh, really appreciate if you could do that for me and Kelly on the podcast. I try to make this available anywhere I can. It's now on Google Play. It's on Stitcher. It's on Podbean, Blueberry, whatever the fuck Blueberry is. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds good, though. I got to get on there. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, as always, please check out uh, entertainmentbuffet.com for uh, any of our video content. Uh, we just started a new video podcast. Uh, my friends Charlie and his wife Bethany Duber, they had a audio podcast called Movie Trailer Trash that you can subscribe to on iTunes. And they're now jumping to Entertainment Buffet to do it in a video form. And uh, just uh, this last week or two, they uh, looked at the Assassin Creed's assassin's creed trailer mm. so uh look at them talking about that as well as all of our other content coming to you uh on the entertainment Buffet channel what we'd like to do here on the podcast joel is one of our first segments is lol of the week this could be a story a video picture meme gif whatever the fuck just something that in the last you know week or two just really cracked you up i'll go ahead and start and one it was it was just a gif I don't know if you ever watch House with Hugh Laurie. Oh, no, i never seen Yeah, uh, he, but he's just a sassy motherfucker. Yeah. And, and um, he's always known, sort of like Sherlock Holmes, for he never can judge real human feelings. And he basically is talking to his boss in the gift. Just he says, do I get paid more if I act like I care? <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I wish I could say that to my boss at my day job at the bank. Just be like, will you pay me more if I act like I care for everyone? Because <laughs> I really don't give a shit. Oh, that's so true, man. Like I'm, every job. Really. Yeah, really. Any day job that it's not something that you're passionate about. It's it's kind of like, you know, uh, are you doing this for the paycheck? Like, yes. Yes, I yes, am. Can, can we be honest? I am. <laughs> <laughs> I need to pay rent. Me and my wife need to Some eat. Some of the best acting you'll ever see isn't on stage. It's when your boss enters the room. Exactly. <laughs> That's the best acting. It'll be at your job. Yes. <laughs> even at, like, oh, man, like, the even, oh, especially when, like, the, the dude who owns the place, like, you ever have that day when that guy walks in or woman or whoever it is? It's so funny because they, I think even like those people don't even know that they're living in an alternate reality. Like, yeah, wherever room they enter. No, people don't act like that. It's just because yeah. you're here now. I know. Ex- <laughs> exactly. I know exactly. They don't make... know what real conversation Because like. I worked at Lou Malnati's and Mark Malnati would come by the restaurant sometimes, the son of the actual Lou Malnati. Yeah. And, you know, he'd be all smiling, you know, how's everyone doing? Yeah. And we're all like, great. <laughs> it's like when the, the king comes in and you're all taking a shit, though. And, oh, shit. No, put, pull your pants up. Hey, go ahead. Yeah. Like the but the moment he leaves, we're all like, "Fuck that guy!" Yeah. You know? <laughs> fuck that dude. But uh, I'll eat his pizza though. But oh, fuck him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The pizza's good, but you know he does not pay uh, people enough to deal with the shit they that's have to deal true. with. So uh, that's my LOL of the week is just a quick gif. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, Joel, do you have any? Uh, sure, man. I I I figured I'd tell a story. Oh. I'll tell a story. All right, story time. Um, Let's see. Okay, so <laughs> I've let me preface this with saying that I've uh, been sort of laying off weed a little bit. I'm a very heavy stoner, uh, people, as you most of you guys are by now. I'm sure you know millennials out there. We're just sitting in a big bag, hitting of weed. it pretty hard. We're sitting on a giant. <laughs> this couch is uh, engraved with weed. It's really <laughs> half of it is. No, I'm just playing. Um, so yeah, I've been trying to cut back, right? And uh, I was hanging out with one of my my homies from one of my old day jobs a few weeks ago, and. Um, I haven't smoked in like maybe a few weeks, maybe almost a month. I've been doing pretty good. I've been just trying to cut back or whatever. <laughs> pretty good. Uh, that's pretty good for me. Um, and but I haven't seen my homie in a while, so he like we we hit him up, and this is when like the Blackhawks were playing and everything. So we were like at the bar, and uh, mind you, I don't like I'm not a heavy drinker either. So I was like uh, hitting that sort of hard too. Not even hard. <laughs> But, like, hard for me. Huh. Like, I think I had maybe, like, two beers, maybe two or three beers. Uh, and this is all funny, too, because I didn't pay for anything. Like, I'm broke, I'm broke <laughs> as hell, right? I'm a full-time comedian now, so I'm, like, broke as hell all the time. And my homie was like, oh, man, you know, I got you, I got you. I ain't seen you in a while, so I'm going to buy you some drinks. So, yeah, he bought me a few beers. And he was like, hey, well, we're out, man. Blackhawks are playing. We got we to gotta do some shots, bro. Yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck. All right. <laughs> so we like, did. I know what we did. If you insist. Like, All right, man. He's paying. So I was like, yeah, cool. And then we come to my house. He was like, hey, man, I know you've been quitting weed, but 
bought some weed and I was like, oh shit, all right. So uh, yeah, and then we ended up smoking a little bit and we were like watching uh, some Netflix at my house and I'm sitting in that chair right there <laughs> and I'll tell you, this is why that cushion is no longer there. Is I just sort of like, <laughs> at a certain point I'm high as hell, right? And I realize, oh man, I need just like some fresh air and like some water. So I, was, <laughs> so I said to everybody, I was like, hey, you guys, I need uh, some water. So could you just go like grab me something? And I couldn't get out the chair. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, shit. I hope Joe's okay. And then as soon as not even they come back to get the water, right? This is what they said. Apparently, I looked like I was possessed. <laughs> like my face was green. And I can't, apparently, my eyes were like rolled back into my head like this. <laughs> And everybody's like, Joel, Joel. And I couldn't even hear them. Like, I don't even remember this happening. I come to, I'm like, I guess I was going to sleep. What I thought I was doing was taking a nap. <laughs> and I fucking woke up puking. Like, I just woke up. Oh. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, I mean, I've been blacked out to where, like, I don't remember puking as much, but, like, in and out. Oh, man. But- I just remember, I thought I was going to sleep. And I was just like, oh, this is fine. I'll just pass out. <laughs> I'll pass out. This is fine. And then I just woke up. <laughs> like, I couldn't aim it. So I was like, just like, woke up, come to, like, fucking yakking everywhere. And, uh, yeah, I was like, it was like all my, it was the most embarrassing shit ever. I was like, all, it was like all my clothes. Uh, <laughs> it was like all the home, like all the guys were over. I just looked like a bitch. And then I just like took myself to the shower and like, in the shower, I had to, like, wash my clothes. <laughs> like, I took a shower with my clothes on. It was so embarrassing. Anyway, thanks, Jared, for paying for everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I mentioned before, this podcast, we're going to be talking all about stand-up comedy. Obviously, Joel has more experience than I do. He's been doing it full-time. He's been headlining shows. I mean, you've done an hour on stage a few times, correct? Uh, a couple of times, yeah. Uh, yeah, really twice, but... Yeah, but still, I mean, I've I've done twelve minutes the most, like, the most in yeah, a row. Uh, yeah, twelve minutes. I've done that a few times. I've wanted to do more, but it was just more about getting at the right venue, the right kind of show to be allowed that amount of time. Mm-hmm. But uh, so yeah, like I gotta ask, you know what, you know what was like the first bit that you're like, you know what, this isn't just a, a funny story or a, an observation. Like this is like. This is a bit. (laughs) (laughs) This is a real bit. Uh, Man, I started when I was so young. So a lot of um, early stuff. I was, I think when I decided to really do it, I was 14. Shit. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, and I started at my, uh, uh, I cheated kind of my first time. I started at my family reunion in, uh, (laughs) what was this? I think it was Jackson. No, not Jacksonville, Florida. I think it was North Carolina that year. Um, so yeah, a lot of my early stuff was me like making fun of, uh, my childhood and like my, I had a bad temper when I was a kid. So I'd make fun of those old stories. But I think the really the first bit that I wrote where I was just like, man, that's a good, like actual joke, joke, uh, was, um, based on me, uh, my mom would like make us read the Bible and shit when we were kids. Um, so the joke went something like, uh, oh man, like, you know, growing up, uh, you went, it, my childhood was real like confusing, you know, cause whenever... Me and uh, my my sisters and brother, we were like whenever we were bad around the house, my mom would punish us by uh, making us read the Bible, you know. Um, but you know, there are times we were good, and she would reward us by making us read the Bible. So I, like, <laughs> I remember that you did that at the live show. <laughs> yeah, and that joke is so true. It hits home to so many people because it's like, and I haven't. There's some bits that are from that long ago that I've worked on and like filed down. And I still use them, some of them. First, you know, or second bit that uh, it's almost like a go-to. Like, mm-hmm. say, like, the crowd just really isn't feeling it, and you're like, man, I got to dip away from this new sh- this new stuff and just put in something that works. Mm-hmm. Like, you always have that one that you're like, all right, I can go to. It's pretty reliable. You yeah. can get a quick laugh. Old and maybe- faithful. <laughs> Old faithful. Old faithful. Uh, it's, it's funny you mentioned uh, that it's... Uh, a religious joke because I think that was my first one that I was proud of was uh, it was about Jesus and I didn't grow up in that religious of a home um, you know I, I I was Lutheran whatever the fuck that is <laughs> and uh, you know that's, I, a, that's I, about right Lutherans yeah. are, they're half ass Christians yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> they're ones that are more chill they're like, they're like we gotta get over and watch the football game <laughs> right right so um, 
I was talking about Jesus, and I'm like, if you really think about it, he was the world's first magician because he uh, walked on water. You know, he turned water into wine, and I'm like, maybe the cross was just a magic trick that went horribly wrong. <laughs> like his assistant brought, didn't bring the prop nails, and yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know why, but like, I just thought that was humorous because I, I think at the time, like, uh, Chris Angel was kind of like more popular when I was trying to write some of these bits, and I'm like, yeah, he's like walking on water. You know, they change stuff, and I was like, Jesus Christ, is the first magician, <laughs> and like, it never like killed, but I just thought that, that was like one of my first that I was like, man, that seems like crafted, and like, yeah. I actually, you know thought of something that maybe I hadn't heard someone else quite word like that before. Mm. Like you, like we've all kind of heard like the same type of bits, you know, like you'll hear comedians talk about, you know, oh, their wife is so bitchy, you know, mm. and they get in arguments or. Yeah. There's no new bits. Yeah. I mean, there's no new jokes like, or ideas. There's just new, it's your point of view, you know? Exactly. Like I think a lot of people, especially when they first start stand up, they're always just like, what's my voice? Or like, what's my, What's my angle? Like, what's my point of view? And it's really just like, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. It's like whatever your style is, you just keep getting on stage and like you find it by just talking about how you feel or what you think. That's really yeah. all it is. And, it's, you know, the weirdest thing I think about stand up is, you know, like we both went to Columbia College in Chicago. I think you studied more like comedy studies when it comes to like maybe sketch writing and mm -hmm. like improv and such. Um, and I studied more like film and like television and film writing, but like there is really no like school for stand up. Like it's one of those mm. things you kind of just got to learn yourself yeah. <laughs> through trying it. Yeah. Um, cause I, I've had friends that, you know, they've said, you know, like, man, I, I think I want to try that. I was like, then do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> that was the, that was how I started. Like yeah. I just, uh, Columbia was doing an open mic and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna fucking go and you yeah. know I put together five minutes and you know if I bomb then you know hey it was my first time yeah bro <laughs> that's how you gotta do it I mean there's there's classes like you know I think I took a teen stand-up class at Second City when I was like maybe 16 or 17 I was just learning and well you know kind of when you read a book or you know about mm -hmm. this kind of stuff or take a class it just teaches you like a concept or one way to do this there is no one way or official way to make comedy there is yeah like if you ever i love talking to different comics and like how do you write bro like how do you just how do you make ideas like there's people do it in so many different ways yeah. even to write a joke or to to stand you know to to perform their material there's really no way it's just like trying you know exactly it's two, two it's that yoda quote it's like there's no do or whatever try whatever yeah you know, i ain't that big of a star wars fan anyway <laughs> <laughs> i just know that quote was dope when you were kind of starting out, like, and then how did you, how did you write them? Did you more so, like, write every single word out, or did you just kind of come up with the idea that you thought was funny and you mm. practiced When I first it? started, you know? I mean, um, or you can even just talk about now, even. Like, what, what is mm. your style of writing? Um, it's changed a lot. It still changes. I haven't found my, I guess, there is no one way I do it. Uh, but yeah, you're right. When I, when I did first start out I started out in theater I did a lot of plays growing up and um when I started, first started writing my jokes I would literally write them out word for word mm -hmm. and uh that would just help because I was used to memorizing scripts and you would just kind of like memorize the words on the page and then after that I started realizing I was such an improv heavy performer that I would go off script anyway mm -hmm. so I would just try to get used to the idea of like getting a little looser when I write um, my jokes so like now it's evolved to where I'll kind of like uh, it's a combination of things like if I'm out in the world and I'm like having a conversation with somebody and I'll say something like oh man that's, that's a bit like I said something to somebody in person I'm like oh I gotta write that down so I'll just like record a voice note in my phone and cause that's better too if you think of a bit like if you're ever if you're more of a writing person and you like writing the words down it's also really really helpful to like record it the way you thought it or the way you felt when you said it mm -hmm. because then sometimes you'll if you read back what you wrote like a few weeks ago you don't know exactly what you meant by exactly the words. so if you like hear your voice and like what you were talking about and how you said it that helps a lot so i'll do that and then there's days where if i'm really really trying to come up with a new five or like just some new time um i'll write out like a topic or like a theme and then i'll make 10 one-liners on that theme or topic uh 
because for me it really helps like just write a bunch of one-liners as like different strands of thought that the jokes could go and then I'll like star the, my favorite ones uh, so I'll, like all the good ones and then I'll just like get in the mirror because I'm, I'm such an improv heavy performer I feel like so I'll just like start acting like I'm already on stage while I'm, I'm in the mirror and just start riffing off of the one-liners I wrote and then it usually turns into a longer bit yeah um that makes sense i mean uh when i started out uh i think it was like you said i tried to write out word for word Mm -hmm. everything and what i would then do was like once i kind of timed out around you know because the standard for open mics in chicago is like four or five minutes Mm -hmm. so i would three or four yeah three (laughs) or four Uh, i think lately it's kind of dipped lower because there's so many more people trying it that it's you know they want to squeeze more people in right but like i I was like i'd always learned you know like you got to get that solid five so i was kind of playing with stuff and what i would do is like i actually bought a real microphone and a microphone stand to even practice just walking up and taking the mic off Mm -hmm. and just walking around with the microphone you know with a cord you know trying to learn to to not to be comfortable yeah and to not trip over it you know to be aware of how my hands are moving and i wouldn't record myself practicing that but i would just like you said i would try saying it out loud and then i would hear it and then that would kind of spark me to like, you know, that just doesn't flow. Like that feels mm-hmm. weird. Like it looked good on paper, but yeah. when I'm saying it, it feels clunky. If you really have a passion for doing this, like you'll just keep doing it and you'll get better because there is no way to take a class on this shit. Like, yeah, it's kind of a lifestyle. Like I remember when we were writing the show, we just closed for Wisconsin. That's we had a live run and we wrote it in like a month because we wanted it to be really fresh and like really uh, of the times and like really, you know about what's going on right now and we procrastinated but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah when we were writing the show it was like certain um, sketches we wrote we would just like hear the words when we were doing table reads or whatever out loud and we would just be like ah nah that joke has to be shorter or we gotta move this concept down here or like it's talking about comedy writing and like concepts it's, it's a science when you really like look at like uh, comedic timing and like the way beats you know we yeah. were talking about editing films earlier and just like shit like that like you can't learn that you can't teach a kid comedic no. timing or you just either know it or you you know what I mean or you can it work feels, on it it feels natural or it doesn't yeah I've said this and I don't know if I've officially said it on the podcast but I do think when it comes to like film television and everything that I think comedy is the hardest genre mm-hmm. and the reason I say that is because I've used the example like okay your we'll, we'll just use your bit about uh you know, oh, um, uh, my mom used to reward us by reading the Bible and punish us by reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. You could tell that in front of 10 people and you could get either two people laughing or you could get a crowd that none of them are religious at all and it gets like no laughs. Mm-hmm. But it, it's so varied. But like if you take something, you know, dramatic or scary, you know, you could bring it in front of the same 10 people and most likely get a similar reaction but comedy some people like fart jokes some people Mm. like political humor some people like just witty banter back and forth like it's so varied that i think it's the hardest thing out there that's so so true but uh i do feel like you know i was talking to a few of my friends about this the other day and like i feel like comedy is also just about empathy and i feel like people kind of forget that or are starting to forget that i feel like in modern day (laughs) comedy Because people are so, like, PC now and get offended at every little thing. And it's like, man, most comics are just talking about their lives or, like, their opinions. And it's like we forget to just, like, take a fucking day off from being offended at everything and just Just listen. Just enjoy it. Just listen. It's a joke or it's a story or this guy is just, or, you know, they're just spilling out what they, how they feel. And, um, yeah, it's just, like, it's crazy to think that we're kind of entering this new time where, like, even just what should be a joke at some times. And, you know, some jokes obviously do have, like, commentary behind them, whether you do mean what you say, uh, even though it's a joke. But, like, people are so, like, oh, man, that... Not even, like, this isn't funny. I think Sarah Silverman had a really, really good um, observation about this in one of her interviews. I forgot what, what it was on, but she was talking about how, like, Instead of nowadays comedy audiences, like, I, th- I think back in the day she was saying it used to be, oh, man, this isn't funny to me. Um, now people are thinking, like, oh, this isn't funny to me, so it shouldn't be funny to anyone. That You know wow. what I mean? <laughs> like, they get so offended at one little thing. Like, to me, I don't, 
I don't know. I don't. I personally like one of my things is I don't like it when like I feel like there's a black joke for the sake of a black joke. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that annoys me. Like, um, and in that example, like you know, everybody has their thing that offends them, right? And uh, to me, I just like you know, me personally, I'm like, okay, if it's gonna be a black joke, like make it say something. One. Yeah, or at least <laughs> a good one or something that's you know clever or something or just. That you're saying something with it, not just, like, for the sake of that. And I, I won't just say this about, like, Chicago open mic comedy, because I've really done only open mics in either Chicago or just in the suburbs of Chicago. I haven't mm-hmm. done it in L.A. or New York or any other state, for that matter. But one thing I started noticing at certain mics, it kind of depending on the comedians, is they wouldn't go there to enjoy other people's humor. Like, I went because, like, I wanted to make myself better, but I also wanted to see, you know, hey, one of these guys up here could be the next huge thing. Mm. Like, I don't know if you know Danny Callis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, like, uh, right when I first started, it was, like, maybe, like, my fourth or fifth time, I was just at an open mic. I think it was at Merkel's. I don't know if they still do it anymore. And Danny Callis went up there, and I don't think he was a name yet or a headliner, but he destroyed his entire five minutes Mm -hmm. just destroyed i remember i'm like this guy knows what he's doing and i think he could go somewhere yeah and sure enough like years later when i got an internship at the comedy bar he was a headliner you know and i was like damn i remember him i remember his delivery but i went there because i went to enjoy it now some stand-up comedians go there and because they write themselves comedy they kind of go in with the mindset like like, with their arms crossed, like, you know, make, make me laugh. Yeah, yeah. Like, see if you can make me laugh as much as, you know, as I am. That funny. they're worthy of something. Exactly. Like, kind of the, the attitude, like, can you can you really be funny? Mm-hmm. Like, no, you're not the only funny one in the room. Yeah. And, I mean, and, you know, uh, and open mics are definitely just like, oh, uh, there's nothing in the world like an open mic. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been to one, people out there, but uh, it is a circle of social hierarchy that will not exist and shouldn't exist anywhere else. <laughs> it's horrible. Uh, <laughs> but, but you gotta go if you're a comic. You gotta go. It's you like have you gotta. To. It's like literally the pit fire of hell that you have to just fucking find whatever's inside of you and climb out that shit. It's the true testament, like, because, like you said, like, if if it's, if stand-up or whatever art form is something that you're really passionate about, you'll go through the shit. Mm-hmm. And that's what open mics are. It's almost like testing, like, can you deal with shitty-ass crowds? You got to. And, you know, who deserves to do arenas if you can't do this shitty bar? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, No, that makes, exactly. Like, you know, if you ever want to do this and you don't do mics... Fuck you. Yeah. Like, you think you're just above that? Like, why do you think you're ever. Cannibal Burr still goes to mics. Louis C.K. will still pop up at a mic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, as far as working out material and, you know, just getting in front of people. And also, the thing about mics is, like, nobody wants to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's excited about being there. Like, so you gotta realize that. Like, every comic in that room, they're not even listening to you unless they already went. And then usually they're gone after that. But, like,. Yeah. You know, if they if there's anybody actually in that room, they're working on their set. They're yeah. looking at their notebook. They're, you know, in their head trying to think of the five things they're going to say as soon as they get up there that nobody will listen to them by then. So, Like you said, you have to. It's right of passage. You don't, you don't want to, but that's just that's how, how it works. That's how it goes, man. Now, do you remember, like, some of these shows where you perform, you know, 20, 30, you know, almost an hour long, uh, just maybe either... A best story or the worst story, like maybe crowds or I guess just, you know, I, I'm curious about some of these times where you've gone on for that long mm-hmm. because like you said, you, you're so used to these open mics where you only get five minutes. But what about when you get that opportunity mm-hmm. to go 15, 20 or longer? Right. Maybe some of your first experiences with that. Uh, yeah, man. I think the the longest I'd ever done before I did my first hour, like in between those, was maybe maybe thirty, twenty five to thirty, and then I booked this um, hour special. I just wanted to film myself and just kind of watch and see how I did, and just invited a bunch of people in my hometown, um, Milwaukee. So I did that show, and um, man, it was just it was an unforgettable experience because you just 
you find out who you are the more you get on stage, you know what I mean? And the longer you can get on stage. So, like, you know, if you do, if you get a tight five, you're good. Like, you figured out whatever shtick works with you in five. But if you start doing 10s, 15s, 20s, you just have to talk about more stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You have to, like, find, you know, in your five-minute set, maybe, you know, talking about relationships and girlfriends and, like, dating is your thing. And that's very funny. And then if you get 15 or 20 minutes, what else do you have to say? You know what I mean? Like, you, your dating five is awesome. But now you got to talk about your family. Now you got to kind of tell, you know, or maybe you're not even that kind of comic. Maybe you're just, you're going to try some one-liners in there. Maybe you're going to have some stories and shit. So for me, my first hour was like my entire life up until that point. I got to like explore those stories and explore that that past part of my life and just talking about a lot of stuff that had been going on with me. And I just remember there was several times where a joke or a story or whatever didn't go like you wrote it or didn't go <laughs> like you planned. And you just have to fucking improvise. You yeah. really just do. And you just learn what that relationship is with the audience and with yourself as a performer. Because like the first time I did that hour, there were several times when I look back on the tapes, I was like, damn, I didn't even write that. Oh, I didn't even write that either. Like, mm. that's just riffing. Like, I just made that up. So like that first time was like amazing. And it helped me with even the five minute sets you do after you do a long set, you just crisper now. You just you just learned all that shit that you just, you know, it's, it's like you, you jumping in a pool, the deep end, and you just got to fucking swim. If you up there, <laughs> you told him you're going to do an hour, fuck it. You got to swim now. <laughs> yeah. Explore all these things because, for example, when you're doing five minutes, you really only get time to do maybe like four or five bits if they're all like 30 seconds to a minute or so. Mm-hmm. But now you can't just do, you know, 61 minute bits. <laughs> they right. need to, you need to expand to where, like you said, maybe... Maybe you have five, six, seven minutes on religion when you were growing up or your parents or, you know, mm-hmm. your siblings or whatever. Like you need to start expanding and not just make it, you know, set up, set up, punchline, punchline. You know, you need right. to kind of mold it into more of it's, like a... It's a piece at that point. It's got to yeah. be, you know, I, I think, I forgot who, what comedian I was, I was listening to at, at this point, but somebody was saying like... You know, if you're a one-liner comedian, there are people that are just so good at those, that style. It just doesn't, the audience doesn't really love it past about 20 minutes. You're, you know, I think doing stand-up is also like a muscle. It's like a muscle you work. You yeah. Know what I mean? It could be flipped on its head. I don't know if you've ever been to, and I try not to be too judgmental of other comedians because we're all putting ourselves out there. Oh, yeah. But, like, I, I go to this one open mic in Aurora. It's at a place called the Comedy Shrine. Great little comedy club. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this guy I see there every time I'm there. And I think he just doesn't understand. Like, not everyone exactly writes their bits. But he just kind of has the... You could tell he's the funny guy in his group. But that doesn't necessarily mean he should do stand-up. Like, he'll just yeah. walk up and be like... Yeah, man, I was smoking weed with my friends, and you ever get really high? And I'm like, then what? <laughs> All right. Like, okay, you, you set up the bed, you, you ever get really high, then you do some stupid shit, or like you were saying earlier, you, you puked all over yourself in the yeah. cushion, like... You can't just... That's a copyrighted joke, y'all. I can't take that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it needs to go somewhere, and it needs to, whether it's... Like you said, actually writing it or just trying it out yourself, it can't just be just talking mm-hmm. and saying stuff that, you know, maybe got some laughs at work. But right. it's something That's that... That's why I, I feel like people don't... People, I don't know, people do comedy for different reasons, too. You got to realize that shit. Like, uh, I think I, I definitely learned in comedy studies, though, especially with stand-up. It's like, whenever I watch a piece or somebody perform, it's like, what is your point of view, though? You know what I mean? Like, I think after after you get off stage, the audience should be like, wow, like, I I know that person or I know or I've at least felt that type of uh, point of view. You know what I mean? Like, you want to be able to, like, when somebody gets off stage, you should know how they feel about life or the world or, you know, their relationship with themselves. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, and some people who, you know, not necessarily everybody does comedy for that reason, but I think... Especially as an audience member, you want to get to know that person. Like, I think the first few years I even did stand-up in Chicago, some of my best friends uh, would just, like, tell me. They'd be like, man, that was a great set. But I still feel like I don't know you. 
Like they like even no matter how good I did, they just be like, man, yeah, that was great. That was great. Your impressions or whatever the fuck. I was just like, man, I still feel like I want to know more about Joel. Like I don't know who you are, like mm-hmm. your point of view. And uh, now that I've somebody said that to me a few years ago, I've been trying to like work on that myself. And even in watching other performers, I'm like, wow, like that's a good joke. But like, who is who are you? Like you know what I mean? That's what that's what's so cool. I think about stand up versus everything else is it's literally just you putting your personality and your point of view about you know what you think on the line in front mm-hmm. of everybody mm-hmm. and with acting or like comedy and like you know with improv or whatever you can do characters and kind of hide behind you know what i mean a little bit of you're putting up another mask sort of but with stand-up it's a lot of just you know you it's like you're yeah. even though it's a persona like I feel like me on stage is not me. It's oh, kind yeah. of a Joel Boyd stand-up persona. It's, it's usually you elevated a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah like that's... you know, Woody Allen doesn't really talk like that. <laughs> I don't believe that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, that's a great point. And like I, I think I one of the notes because I, uh, I try to always whether it's the audio or uh, just on a you know on a phone try to record my sets. So I could watch them later and kind of learn from them. And I remember when I was first, the first year or so, you know, and I was still learning how to craft jokes and, uh, you know, just remember them on stage. And I remember I sent one of my sets to a friend of mine and she's like, and she doesn't in comedy, but she's a total impartial party. You know, she's not in the comedy world like uh, you and me, Mm -hmm. but she's like, you know, like, I think some of the stuff you have is funny, but it feels like just very general stuff like you said there's not a lot of personal stuff like you one of your first bits was about your parents and like how you grew up with religion and like it was very personal to where maybe someone else has a bit like that but it's more so unique to you yeah this happened to me and uh so i was like yeah man I, i maybe i need to start telling more personal stories or just personal opinions opposed to just general like you know bits bits. yeah and i think one of my ones recently that has worked better because it's kind of like based off something how i really feel is like right now me and my wife you know this may change later but right now we don't want kids Mm. and you know at first whenever you say that to certain generations you're like whoa and so like i kind of just thought i was like yeah uh you know we don't want kids because uh you know kids cause divorce you know, and, and, um, you know, and then I started going into, you know, like, I'm not saying the kid actually causes the divorce, you know, but it's kind of one of those things that leads to arguments that becomes a divorce. And, <laughs> and then I started thinking of silly things with that. And I was like, man, that, cause that was a personal opinion of mine. You know, some people for whatever reason, you know, they think, you know, we got to do exactly what we're supposed to do. We got to get engaged. We got to get married, move in together, have a kid. You know, like they just mm-hmm. think that's how you're supposed to do things. But yeah. me and my wife were like, you know what? Like we don't want kids. Fuck kids. <laughs> They're annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, uh, I, I, I even was talking to someone at, uh, I went to go visit my old creative writing teacher from high school uh, during one of her classes and you know she was kind of wondering when me and my wife are gonna have kids and I brought up that we don't right now like maybe down the road but the next five years that's not on our plan and uh I was like because you have kids you have to give like all of your free time to oh yeah and the one high school kid this is from like a 17 year old was like that's so selfish and I was like, yeah, me and my wife are selfish people. <laughs> and my teacher's like, well, at least you guys know that. Some people don't know that. Yeah. And I think that's something else I kind of explore, just me being selfish and, like you said, more personal experience to make it to where it's not just like, yeah. I was flying on a plane and the peanut, right. the, the peanut <laughs> bag was too small, you know. <laughs> oh, you got to write that down. Keep that. That's good Never heard that before. This is another thing that even I'm struggling with. I think a lot of comics struggle with this is writing something you think people think is funny instead of writing something that you think is funny. Like most of the time, you know, the bits that I felt like, you know, I've been afraid to say or whatever. You're like, I don't know how people feel about this. Or is this funny? Is this funny? That's good because it's new. It's something that you're afraid to say or you're Mm -hmm. afraid to try. That's going to be way more successful 
then the idea is that you're like, oh, I think people will like this. You know what I mean? Exactly. You're kind of just recycling the same shit that you think people think is funny. Yeah. So, well, the best bits are something you're, you know, that's off the radar you're afraid to say. Yeah. I think it was on like a making of documentary of like, I think it was like the Matt Groin, I think it was the showrunner of like The Simpsons mm-hmm. or like uh, one of the head writers is where he talked about that exact thing. He's like, I write to make myself laugh. Mm-hmm. What I think is funny. And then, you know, you may have to edit it to maybe make it available to a broader audience. But, like, there's no way you're going to write something and only you think it's funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe you'll get a tiny portion of the audience. Like, it won't kill. But, like, there's no way you're going to write something that literally only you think is funny. Right. It's very, very rare to write something that unique. Like, <laughs> yeah. to where you discovered a new dimension of comedy. <laughs> Only I will understand. Yeah. Um, But you do need to write, and I think that even translates to when, like, I'm working on sketch and stuff, uh, I'll be directing on set, and I'll be laughing, and people are like, are you laughing at your own stuff? (laughs) And I'm like, I'm I'm like, no, I'm just laughing at, like, the situation. Like, even though, like, I came up with it, it's more so, like, these performers, you know, delivering these lines and just the situation of whatever ridiculous thing is happening. You know, I just think that's funny. It's not like, just like (laughs) my ego. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I mean, have you ever looked at some of your old stuff? Like maybe, uh, your, your hour or your 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and you're just sitting there just laughing. You just like, that's pretty good. You know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I have a personal issue with myself that's just, I don't look back a lot. I don't, I don't know. I don't watch myself or watch any of my old stuff a lot, um, which I should, because then you could see like where you came from or how you've progressed. But yeah, man, there's times where I've just like went down this weird YouTube hole of watching your own old stuff. Yeah. And then I'm just been like, oh man, yeah, I guess that was, that's good. Like I should work on that. Or you, you know, want to revisit an old bit, or you just... Yeah. Or even, like, branding is so important now, you know? If you find... I think one of my earliest shows, I did, like, a survey after the show, and I handed people, like, sheets of paper and just asked them to describe my style or to, to tell me what their huh. favorite joke was yeah. that they heard that night. And um, just because I was like, huh, I wonder who people think I am, like, just hearing me talk. And uh, looking back on some of my old videos, I've been like, oh, wow, I guess that's what I am to people. Like, you need, like, to build off of what you've already, you know, kind of surmounted yourself as as a comedian or as a comedic voice. You can kind of see, like, what people who like your jokes or people, you know, even people who don't like your shit, to just hear you and say, oh, okay, I think your style is this and you should keep doing this, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Um, No, like, I think that makes sense. Uh... I don't know if you're a fan of Pete Holmes at all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mainly bring it up because I just, uh, uh, a few weeks ago, he came to Chicago to record his HBO special. Mm-hmm. And I got to see him at the Vic Theater. And, you know, one thing he's kind of like, to his Pete Holmes fans known for, is like he cracks up at his own bits like on stage. Like uh-huh. almost in a way where he's just like, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> and, but like, we love him for it because that's just him. Oh, yeah. You know, he always is putting the mic away from his mouth. It's just like, oh my God. Uh, but like, he's not trying to be like, no, like, I, I can't laugh at my stuff. Like, right. You know, that's just him. Like you said, uh, you've looked at it and you're like, you know what? I think this is what I am and I'm not going to try to be something else. Yeah. Because obviously you're getting reactions. So it's not the worst thing in the world. True. <laughs> True, man. We've mentioned your, uh, you improv and sketch, and uh, one thing you guys have been doing is uh, MLKs of comedy. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, it's kind of this this weird uh, but like awesome new thing that I feel like is being done in Chicago comedy that's just kind of a little bit different than I feel like what the, a lot of the scene is doing. Um, so yeah, it pretty much is just started out, we're called the Martin Luther Kings of Comedy. It started off with just me like texting a bunch of my friends just saying, Hey man, we should tour colleges next year. Like I I heard about all my, some of my best friends touring colleges and I'm like, man, we should do that. And then it just turned into us like hanging out all the time. Like it just turned into kind of the seven of us, uh, this young dudes around the scene and we made this like house party sort of college, uh, comedy show and we did this podcast and now we're just like. Um, 
got a bunch of projects going off this year and we're trying to make it all lead up to doing a tour uh, pretty, pretty soon and like make it a film and, you know, some, some other things we're trying to do. But yeah, it's just different. Like, it's just like, I feel like what should be a competition between all of us young uh, kind of black comics in Chicago it's turned into us just kind of rooting for each other and being friends and like it's become this weird like brotherhood sort of thing um so yeah we got a lot of good stuff popping off this summer uh but yeah it's just it's kind of crazy where it all came from and how it accidentally turned into this thing and we <laughs> still don't even know what, what it is or you know um but so, I, yeah. I think that's something and you know I can't speak for older generations you know because you know we're obviously only in ours right uh, right but uh, you know I think that's something I would love to see more of in a younger stand-up comedy scene is trying new things and being more like what we learned in improv yes and opposed to you know being super judgmental of each other and like you said looking at it as a competition like Mm-hmm. It's it shouldn't be about you know I want to be I want to be funnier than Joel. It should be you know I want to be uh, on the level to where I get uh, a reactions like Joel or like I push myself to be better. It, it shouldn't mm-hmm. be just you know like I've, you know Joel gets to do all the stand up things you know. But right, and that's I? the way a lot of the scene felt like I think yeah. for so long, and it still feels like that. Um, but I think this was cool and what's been so fun about this group is that we each have our own style and we know nobody else in the squad can kind of get away with doing something that somebody else is good at. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not a competition. Like, I, Joel can't pull off a Mike Robinson bit or, like, Mike Robinson can't pull off a Denny Love bit. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. all the, the people in the group, it kind of just feels like, you know, everybody has their thing and we know them for doing that thing and that's cool. Like, you know what I mean? And it's, yeah. that's fine. Um, so, yeah. And, and I feel like for the rest of the, the comedy scene, it's kind of just been like, uh, you know, I remember definitely this one time specifically where, like, I first moved here and I started doing uh, more spots at, like, Jokes and Notes down on the South Side. Mm-hmm. And one of these uh, dudes came up to me a few shows after that. Um, and I already seen him down there. He came up to me and, like, said to me, like, hey, man, oh, man, it was good to see you at this show. Uh, you're super, super funny. I just felt like, man, I didn't like you when I first met you because, like, it was, like, me, you, and uh, Josh Johnson, we were all doing this, like, you know, uh, the black, like, preppy sort of sounding white kid thing. And I was just like, I don't know. I feel like you were cutting in on my, like, my... <laughs> my, my shtick. Yeah, my shtick, bro. That's, like, <laughs> that's my style, man. That's my thing. And I'm just like, bro, you ain't me. Like, <laughs> I'm not you. That's yeah. you know what I mean. Like I don't. I didn't even think about that when I first seen him do stand up. Yeah, you know you what I mean. You shouldn't have like, to categorize yourself into you know, like you said, the you know, black preppy white sound. You know, yeah. like, you don't have to be that. You just want to be Joe Boy. That's you know? all I was doing, and I, it was just like interesting, interesting to see that some people think like that still. And I get it. You know what I mean, like. I think when I did first meet Josh Johnson, who was one of my best friends, and uh, he's off doing, you know, amazing things right now. Um, he's moved to New York. I think he just opened for Kevin Hart and, like, Shit. just opened for, <laughs> uh, what else did he, he do? Opened for um, Dimitri Martin, I think, recently. Uh, but, yeah, he's been killing it. But, yeah, when I first met him in the comedy scene, it was the same thing. It was literally like, wow, this dude, like, we had the same life. Like, both of us. Both of us had the same day job working at Trader Joe's and just like skinny <laughs> little black dudes uh, on the north side of Chicago doing comedy. And I was like, damn, he's still in my life. Like, what, <laughs> what else am I going to talk about on stage? <laughs> Fuck. Well, well that's, why, that's why you said you got to pull from more personal things that... Uh, right. And I think that was one of the things actually one of my film teachers uh, said, or maybe it was at a commencement speech for the film department or something, is, you know... They kind of asked the room, you know, what are some of your favorite directors or writers or so? And I remember it was like 2010, so like, you know, I said Chris Nolan because Inception just came out. And oh, I'm like, yeah. yeah, I'm like, yeah, he's one of my favorite directors. And he's like, what makes you different than Chris Nolan? And I was like, uh, you know, like, I don't know. And he's like, your life is not Christopher Nolan's life. Mm-hmm. Shit that happened to you is nothing but what happened to him. So like, you need to take something or some point of view, like you've talked about, and then you can create something with it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, damn. That's you know? what's so cool, I think, <laughs> about 
writing that people don't realize and that's why I, I love writing the writing aspect of just doing comedy too yeah is like so much you know that simple rule of like write what you know like you so much of what people make and like I think if Louis is a great example we were talking about Louis earlier uh, Louis that show I'm pretty sure a lot of those stories are just little things that happened to Louis the last few years but he just kind of was like oh man what if I embellished that just made it yeah you know, what if like I just escalated it, it yeah. immensely wrote it into something a lot of things covered just talking about stand up with Joel and you know I feel like we could talk for hours <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. about the various you know things when it comes to stand up when it comes to the writing the point of view uh, how maybe more the younger generation should embrace one another opposed to competing mainly just for the fact that like I said I don't want to make this a five hour podcast <laughs> uh, Joel's got some stuff to do uh, we'll kind of segue out of our main topic and go to our next uh, segment called I Hate People <laughs> which basically I created this because I've worked and you worked at Trader Joe's you can probably have stores I've worked in a lot of customer service type things and just I don't know like living in the city you deal with so many people that it just frustrating situations happen and sometimes mm. you just gotta vent about some stupid ass people um, but uh, mine this week isn't necessarily a customer service story. It is about uh, a commenter on my YouTube page. Mm. Um, Entertainment Buffet, I started this thing called Game of Thrones for Dummies, where basically each week, uh, this new season, I just started it, I recap the episode in a really sassy, snarky, rapid-fire Cliff Notes type way. Right. It's mainly for humor. It's not to be informative about the show. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll spoil stuff that happened in the episode, but I'm not, you know, analyzing it a lot. It's more just like, uh, like, oh, that bitch is dead now. You know, like, and just trying to just make it humorous. Mm-hmm. And a commenter, because I named the show Game of Thrones for Dummies, wrote something to the effect of, it's sad how the show was already a dumbed-down version of the books. I don't know why anyone would watch these because, you know, why does it need to be dumbed down anymore? And basically said, because at the time, you know, uh, I don't have many views. It just started a couple weeks ago. He's like, oh, wait, this only has like 17 views. So never mind. I guess no one is watching it. Like, what the actual fuck? (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Like, I didn't even respond. I just deleted it. Like, sometimes I'll try to reply and, you know, maybe start an argument just to stir shit up. But I was just like, what what kind of haterade were you sipping this morning? Like Trolls are serious, man. Yeah, like, for him to say, like, he's insulting all these people who, like, I don't know if you watch Game of Thrones. No, yeah. uh, But, like, when you watch that first, there's a lot of fucking characters, a lot of shit happening. Sometimes you need to look up just things explaining it to kind of dumb it down for you, because there's so mm-hmm. much shit happening. But him to insult all these show watchers who maybe are confused about what's happening in the books or whatever. Yeah. And then to insult my humorous little three-minute <laughs> recaps Man, of the episodes. People going to talk... I, I'm getting used to that shit. Yeah. Like, people are just going to talk about you because you're doing something. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I was just like... I wanted to say, be like, you know, this is just for fun, right? (laughs) Like, this is not supposed to be, like, an actual, like, educational for dummies book, like, on Game of Thrones. Right, It's just supposed to be for, you know, make good, quick laugh. Anyway, that's my I hate people to be... Uh, I just hate dumb motherfuckers. (laughs) Um, Like, just because people are so fucking dumb. (laughs) Like most people, when you look at like the pop, the current population of human beings, like I think that's what I kind of took from your comment too, and I just noticed this about just people in general lately. It's like this place we're going to in society, where it's just kind of okay to be stupid, and we just keep letting people be stupid because then you know you can trick them into buying whatever is being advertised that week or whatever the fuck the one percent is throwing at us that week. Uh, but, but it's like really I don't know my I hate people is just like ignorance man cause like I don't know I just hate people who are not fucking woke like if you don't understand shit that is going on or at least trying to understand like I know yeah. people who like literally I don't watch the news all day every day cause it'll make me upset and want to murder people um, <laughs> but like I don't know people who just 
are asleep and don't care that they're asleep and just are making the world not even worse, but just like not, not helping. <laughs> what the fuck? Like you like the simple fact that somebody is on your YouTube page shitting on the show you took time to make. Like they're you ain't making a show though. Yeah. You didn't try to make anything. You're just yeah. spectating. You're just sitting on the anybody in the crowd ain't shit. Even if you even if you watching the person who's on the bench, they made a team. Just the fuck up. Like they yeah. ain't doing nothing. Or like people who just like are haters and just fucking like I don't understand like I don't know I don't understand regular people first of all <laughs> I've been doing comedy too long so I don't understand what regular people are like but like <laughs> people who just don't try anymore and just have that sort of like eh, I don't I'm the energy that's you know in the world I'm not gonna make it better I'm just gonna kind of shit on people and. Yeah. Type whatever I want on my Facebook, and that's that's all I want. Y'all sleep. <laughs> I hate sleep people. Wake up. <laughs> that's why after all this segment, I always get so frustrated, and I kind of need to do like a. Uh, <laughs> well, Joel, it's always a pleasure hanging out. It's always a pleasure working together, and uh, we'll have to have you on the podcast again. I really look forward to seeing where MLKs of comedy. You guys start this you. tour and everything, and uh, feel free, uh, please plug any of your shows coming up, and uh, this this should be, I think it's going to be around the first week of June or so, yeah. this is posting, so what what do yeah. you have coming up? Um, coming up this summer, hot, hot, hot stuff, people. Uh, <laughs> keep up with the, the MLKs of Comedy, our Instagram, we have a lot of good uh, updates, that's at MLKs of Comedy, MLKs of Comedy on Instagram. Um, yeah, and, uh, we, we got a couple new shows we're popping off this summer, uh, so yeah, keep up with us on there, and then, um, also I'm doing a play, if you guys are into some, some theater, uh, I'm theater. doing a play called Wastewater at, uh, Steep Theater in Chicago, uh, opens in July, it's gonna be dope as hell, um, yeah, it's like my first dramatic role, I'll be playing like this British orphan type dude, uh, so yeah. If you're looking to have some tears and crumpets, uh, <laughs> come on out to that. But uh, yeah, I'm always doing stuff. Check me out on uh, JoelBoyTV.com. And uh, my Snapchat is always bumping. <laughs> that's at JoelBoyTV. All right. That's it. Awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, so check them out there. Uh, if you look on their Entertainment Buffet page from our Entertainment Buffet live show, you can see Joel kill it for 20 minutes as our headliner from our first Entertainment Buffet live show. I hope sometime this summer I'm, I'm trying to talk with the people at the Comedy Bar about doing another one of those. Yeah, thanks again, Joel. Thank and, you. Uh, Thank well, you, Brandon. Check out all his stuff, guys. And like I said, we'll have to have you on again. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. And we'll hop on over to Kelly as she does. Has Kelly seen this? Her first time watching Reservoir Dogs. Hey, guys. Welcome to Has Kelly Seen It? Probably not. This week, my homework was to watch Reservoir Dogs. And whew, that is some movie, man. Uh, my initial reactions, uh, one, I was definitely not expecting Mr. Orange to shoot Mr. Mr. Blonde, or to be a cop for that matter, and for me that totally came out of nowhere, which I guess was the point, but I genuinely loved finding that out. I had such a good time. Um, two, I, I thought the camera angles were kind of weird. Sometimes I would be watching it and I'd be like, why... Why did the cinematographer shoot from that angle? Or why did Quentin Tarantino ask him to shoot from that angle? Uh, I, I didn't think that some of those made sense. But, you know, it was fine. Uh, also, sometimes I just couldn't understand what the actors were saying. Uh, like, the entire beginning of the opening scene or, like, when Mr. Orange gets shot in the stomach in the car. I just, I, I couldn't make out what they were saying so I couldn't understand what was going on um and four I I really loved the handheld camera movement I love that they had really long shots that it wasn't just all edited together it was really cool being like oh my god this was one shot like this had to happen perfectly and this had to happen perfectly I I thought that was really interesting some of the performances that stuck out, uh, the guy who played Eddie reminded me so much of Jonah Hill. It's like if Jonah Hill and Elijah Wood had a child. It, it was really weird looking at him. I even, my boyfriend looked at me when we were watching the movie. He was like, 
oh my god Jonah Hill and I was like right also uh the guy who played Mr. Orange I swear during some shots he's he morphed into Ryan Gosling it it was so strange these two actors had such similar features and characteristics of other actors it it was really fucking with my mind um and I actually didn't think I was going to like Mr. Orange at all like the actor uh like during the scene in the backseat of the car he got kind of annoying uh again and I couldn't really understand him but I mean obviously he became my favorite character (laughs) uh I had no idea that this was Quentin Tarantino's first film I I saw that in the opening credits it said it was like his raw directorial debut and I was like what as someone who has only watched a few of Tarantino's films, I definitely started to clearly see his style. Like, I knew of his style by watching his other movies, but I had only seen a few of them, like I said. But I started comparing the ones that I had seen, and a lot of things started to come together. You know, the the violence, the sex, the writing, the way he shoots things, dialogue. It, 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 it was all just really interesting to be like, oh, I can finally sit into that Quentin Tarantino Quentin Tarantino style and really like understand what that means the ending I don't know I I definitely understand the ending I didn't really like or enjoy the ending really uh I I was really sad that Mr. Orange told Mr. White that he was a cop I mean I know it was the right thing to do and I understand in terms of the movie but like I really didn't want Mr. White to know. I wanted him to continue thinking that Mr. Orange was this great kid. And, I mean, everyone dies. Uh, my, my my boyfriend and I actually were talking about it. He, he came up with an interesting observation. He said that every character who showed their face on screen ended up getting shot. And I started to think about it, and it was totally true, except for Freddy's boss, for Mr. Orange's boss. He did not, he wasn't shown getting shot and he didn't say that he had been shot. Uh, so I, I thought that was really, really interesting to see. I mean, in the end, everyone dies. I, I mean, I was really sad when the cop died. I was excited when Mr. Blonde died. And I mean, that came out of nowhere when he shot him. Oh, it was so cool. Um, I think that it's incredibly interesting that the actual robbery was not filmed. You know, like this whole, the whole reason for this story happening wasn't even shown to the audience. And I mean, that that seems strange in film, which I guess it is, but it, it happens all the time in theater because there's, you can't do some things on stage. Um, so I, I guess it, I, I didn't really notice that a lot uh, until, until it was brought up, but uh, I really enjoyed putting the pieces together. It felt like I was there. felt like we were all figuring it out at the same time, me and the characters. And it, so it kind of felt like an interactive movie. <laughs> um, I, there wasn't much that I didn't like about it other than, like I said, some of the camera angles and I, I couldn't understand some people at some times. But at first I wasn't really sure how the flashbacks were working in relation to the film. They seemed kind of random. But... After a while, you know, once I caught on, I really liked how they did it. And I really enjoyed Freddie, Mr. Orange's flashback and all the details and all the story leading up to him actually becoming part of this group. Um, And yeah, like I mentioned before, some of the camera angles were just a little bit strange, like looking up at someone, like pointing the camera up to their face when there wasn't really a reason to it's just that's always a weird angle or like having a wide shot go on too long um but yeah I think I think that was really it um and that torture scene oh my god one I mean that was really difficult uh two I think that it went on a little bit too long uh I I'm really glad that the camera panned away and you know it was like looking at the ceiling but I thought that again just a few like moments too long it wasn't even like a few seconds it was like it was like a good 30 or 45 seconds to a minute uh and it it still made me really uncomfortable but I guess you know that was what it was supposed to do so it had the effect that it, that they wanted but I just personally didn't really like that uh very much but overall 
really cool film. I don't know why I haven't watched it. Um, I I thought it was something completely different than it was. I was very pleasantly surprised. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching it. I would probably watch it again just to see if I missed anything. Uh, but had a, had a really great time and can't wait for my homework next week. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Yeah, as, as I said before, catch us out on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, Blueberry, all the fucking audio sites. You can really catch things and subscribe, leave a review, entertainmentfade.com, plug, 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 Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all that shit. All right, thanks for listening, guys.